Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of Off the Block Swimming Podcast. This is Part 2 of our chat with Australian Dolphins superstar, Mr. Mitch Larkin. Thank you all very much for tuning in once again this week, wherever you are listening right now. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, in part two of my chat with Mitch, we talk today about being process orientated and not outcome orientated as Mitch takes us through his processes with racing and training. We also discuss his incredible 2018 Com Games on the Gold Coast, life after swimming, as well as dealing with the media at difficult times during your career and life. All that and a whole lot more. So grab a drink. Settle in and get ready because ep number two of my chat with Mr. Mitch Larkin starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. From the sinister of all eyes is the great Madame Butterfly, Susie O'Neill. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, he surely can't do it to him again. Chavish in the white hats, Dots in the black hats, and Dots has got it. I cannot believe he's done that. Dots in front, Dots in the hall, Dots goes in. On the show to kick off season four is a man who made his Olympic debut for Australia in 2012. Since then, he has gone on to become one of Australia's best, winning world championships, Olympic Games medals, breaking world records, Commonwealth records, and even being named FINA Swimmer of the Year in 2015 after his amazing world champs in Kazan. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast for 2021 to Mr. Mitch Larkin. Mitch, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Just touching on, obviously, 2015, and we know 2016, you know, you had a successful Games there in Rio as well. Just looking at your age at that time, I think you're 22 or 23. Do you think in terms of long-term athlete development, which is definitely a buzz term that we use as coaches, I think just to jazz up basically that we know, you know, you're still going to be your strongest uh, you're more emotionally, physically mature as you get older. Do you think that played its part in, in that sort of success around that time as well, that you were both mentally and physically as strong and as, as tough as you were going to be? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think looking back, um, and it sounds really funny to say, I was probably a little bit naive um, at times. You know, so as a young kid, um, you know, with the world at my feet, I actually um, – wasn't really aware of, I guess, how incredible a week um, Kazan in 2015 was. Um, you know, I knew that it was pretty amazing. It's what everyone dreams of. Um, but it's only sort of since been the last couple of years where I've actually been so determined to get back there and so hungry to get back there that I actually now appreciate how special, how unique, um, how rare um, moments like that are and, and sort of speaking to other athletes where I know that, you know, they can train or, or they can compete a whole, um, you know, swimming career and, and sort of never have a moment like that is, is really does break my heart. And, and it sort of really cements, I guess, how special a week like that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to think um, we could all have it and everyone, you know, I'd like to hand them out to everyone and, and things like that. It'd be pretty amazing. But like I said, looking back now, it, it was pretty special. And, and as you said, you know, in terms of longevity, absolutely. I was, 
like I said, I'd, I'd done all these sort of PBs in the gym. Um, I was training better than I ever had at the time. Um, you know, the world was at my feet and I was just ready to sort of take it on um, and almost sort of um, undefeatable, and, you know, indestructible. Um, I couldn't sort of go do no wrong, which was amazing. It's just always something that uh, interests me, mate, to be honest. Are you, are you turned 28 this year? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. No, don't be like that. I turned 35. I've got bigger issues. Don't worry. Uh, but in terms of, you know, swimmers and parents who will you'll be talking about, oh, you know, they're 15, so we've got to look at what we're doing this year and if they're not going to be good. And I think, well, hang on a second. You've got, you know, the likes of you, even to people I speak to like Hannah Miley, 31, yeah. still at such an international yeah. level. Just because you, you might not be quite there at 15, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I've sort of learned that, I guess, through speaking to a number of athletes, um, you know, on the international stage, we all have different paths, um, which is amazing. Some, you know, are similar to myself, have always been in the sport, you know, grew up learning to swim as a young kid and sort of just um, almost followed the natural progression. Where there's others who, who got into the sport late, um, you know, Holly Barrett from Australia is another yep. one. She sort of retired for a couple of years and I think she made her first senior team at 31, yeah. um, you know, which is absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many success stories. Um, Dara Torres, um, you know, it's, it's anyone can do it. I think um, Santos, for example, I think, um, you know, he broke a world record at 35. I think he's one of the oldest sort of to set a world record, which mm. is, you know, absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Well, it just, you know, sets the bar makes people think a little bit more, changes the way people think. And, and I, I absolutely love it, mate. I think the why we think, you know, at 17, that's it, uh, is beyond me. I think yeah. swimming is a sport you can continue to do for as long as you want. Now, I want to get to 2018 before we sort of finish on events because the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast for you, if we're talking about, you know, 2015, this was a, a pretty special meet for you as well. Five gold medals, you smashed it. Talk to me about that meet, the lead up to it, you know, changing program, you're competing in sort of different events than we probably were used to seeing you. No doubt you mentioned there before as a youngster, you were doing medley, but we were accustomed to seeing you as a backstroker and now all of a sudden you're smashing it in the medley as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, this, this is, this is a pretty cool story as well. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the best things about my swimming career is I've, I've made some incredible sort of stories and adventures and, and mistakes. And, um, you know, it's pretty cool telling these stories to young athletes. They absolutely love it. So this is, um, yeah, a sort of an interesting one. Um, and I'll probably have to take you back to 2016. So obviously a, a very successful Olympics, picked up a silver and a bronze, um, fantastic results. Um, and for me, I'd, I'd been with Michael Boll, um, was my one sort of coach for probably at the time it was nine years. Um, I knew that he'd sort of been planning on heading um, to a new program on the Gold Coast. I've always been in Brisbane. Um, you know, I sort of, um, I have my school there, my studies there, my families are there. Um, I love Brisbane. I'm, I'm not a, a big fan of the Gold Coast. Apologies to anyone out there. Um, and so I knew that um, that probably wasn't a move that I was willing to, to do. Um, and I'd always sort of had this question in my mind of I'd always trained specifically more for the 200, um, you know, and, and done middle distance training. I'd never actually trained specifically for the 100. And so I'd always had this question in my mind was if, if I trained more for the 100, just where could I take it? You know, 
Could I, you know, be swimming 51s? Could I be swimming, you know, so this question was always in my mind and I thought what a fantastic opportunity was if I, I want to be super competitive at the next Olympics to really challenge myself. Um, and so that's where I, I sort of um, explored my options and, and ended up um, changing programs, moved to Simon Cusack, who's had some incredible results um, coaching sprinters. Um, probably the two, two girls are probably his, his uh, you know, most successful with Kate and Bronte, Campbell. Um, and so I trained with them for about six months. And boy, was I thrown in the deep end. Um, you know, we were doing sessions that I'd never done before. It was pure sprint, um, you know, absolute, you know, max 50s, four max 50s on, you know, five minutes, whereas – with Dean, um, which who I'm with now, and Michael Ball, my previous coach, we'd always gone, you know, a 3K main set, sort of aerobic, you know, threshold, and then finished um, with whatever you've got sort of speed at the end. So things were completely different. Um, and I was swimming fast, but I wasn't really able to sort of look at myself in the mirror um, and say, you know, I feel like I'd achieved something that in, in every session, Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, that was really difficult. I, I remember standing up at Worlds in um, 2017, looking at my competitors, you know, Ryan Murphy, all those boys, and I just knew how hard they had worked. I knew how hard I'd worked through 2015, 2014, all my previous years, 2016, and I couldn't um, really buy and, and mentally buy into myself um, knowing that I hadn't trained exactly the same. Whilst the training was different, and it was hard. It just wasn't what I'd grown up doing. And, and I think for me, that was the biggest challenge. Um, you know, a coach said to me, um, if you've got 10% doubt in your mind, it's already too much. And so that was something I really struggled with. Um, I think I could have potentially stayed with Simon for another six or 12 months, um, you know, potentially tweaked a few things and certainly gotten, um, you know, some really good results under him. Um, he pushed me in sort of directions and ways I'd never been pushed before and certainly learned a lot from him. So I absolutely um, have to thank him so much because he taught me um, pretty much all that he's learned, you know, over his long, long career in six months. Um, but I sort of struggled at Worlds. I didn't get some great results. And um, Dean Boxall sent me a message and just said, hey, when you're back in Brizzy, let's catch up for a beer. Um, let's talk about where you want to go with your swimming, what you want to do. Um, and so I said, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely love to do that. He was Michael Bowles' assistant coach for a number of years. So I knew him really well. And I knew that I could have a really honest conversation with him without sort of um, worrying about what he wanted or where it was going to go or, or what he was going to say. So I took him up on that offer and, and he basically said, look, um, have you ever thought about coming back to St. Peter's? Um, I'll be sort of taking up the head coaching role. Um, you're always welcome there. What do you want from your swimming? He asked me these sort of questions and he said, look, um, if you really want, um, you know, I think we can target the Commonwealth Games. What a fantastic way to sort of post back to the world that you're, uh, you found your form again. Um, and he sort of jokingly said, oh, wouldn't winning five, uh, five medals be something pretty special at a home, you know, Commonwealth Games? And I sort of jokingly said to him, there's no chance. I'm struggling to finish, you know, a 200 metres backstroke. Uh, my fitness isn't where it needs to be. There's no way I can back up, you know, day-to-day, event-to-event to pick up five medals. And sure enough, I'm, like I said, I'm a pretty competitive person, um, pretty stubborn. And I sort of said, that sounds pretty special. And I sort of set my mind to it about, um, you know, uh, 12 or 18 months out from the Games. 
And so I joined his program and, and sure enough, you know, one month sort of led to another and, and to another and to another. And we swam the trials and um, I ended up sort of qualifying for five, um, six events. I didn't swim the 400 medley. Um, and he said, you know, I think you're in a really good position to, to do five. And I sort of then kicked back and said, I think, you know, five, five gold would be pretty special. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was just one of those weeks during the Commonwealth games where, um, we went from one swim to the next, um, Dean was really big in celebrating the little wins, which is something I'd probably never done in my career. So I'd, I'd, you know, have a fantastic swim one night. I'd be allowed to sort of call my parents, celebrate with the team for, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes, and then jump in the warm, warm down and get ready for whatever the next day brought. Um, and one day just simply led to the next, to the next. And um, it all came down to the last night. We had two events um, to finish. Um, the last event being the 4 by one medley relay where the, the English um, had a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we, we sort of, like I said, got, got my team off to a really good start. Adam P dove in, had a fantastic breaststroke split. Um, the Flies boys went off together. They were neck and neck. And then obviously Kyle Chalmers sort of was our anchor and got, got the touch on the wall with about, um, I think it was 0. 0.0 something, you know, between us, us and them and yeah. um, was able to do five from five, which is, you know, something really, really special. What is it like having a home games just while I've got you? Not many people get to experience that. Obviously, um, you know, Commonwealth Games is is probably not as grand as an Olympic Games, but sure. to some, I guess it's probably a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more fun as well. What was it like competing uh, in front of your family and friends? Absolutely unreal. Um, you know, like you said, it, it's probably a little bit more relaxed. Um, they call it a fun games compared to an Olympics, but. Um, it certainly didn't feel like that with the swimming. You know, we were there, you know, posting up some really good times in an outdoor pool where, you know, there is a bit of a wind, a bit of a sort of, um, you know, average conditions, not great. Um, but you'd look up into the stands and the amount of Australian flags that you'd see were just absolutely incredible. There were boxing kangaroos. Um, you know, the, the, the DJ was playing, you know, all the sort of uh, great Aussie classic hits um, which was absolutely fantastic. You know, we were doing our sort of victory laps around the pool and they were just throwing down Aussie flags. The whole crowd was singing. The whole crowd was cheering. Um, you know, I'd get home and sort of everyone would sort of send me a text and was just like, oh, my God, it was fantastic. I was actually able to get some tickets and watch you race. It's something I've always wanted to see. So I guess to, to have such a big impact on um, not only like the generations watching, but, you know, the next generations um, of swimmers that you know, um, swims like that were were absolutely inspiring, and it and it wasn't just us, you know, the Australian Dolphins. It was swimming in general. It was it was such an inspirational meet, um, and I, I'd like to think, you know, maybe not the same as Sydney Olympics, um, but you know, hopefully we can inspire you know the next generation to uh to maybe chase their dreams and and swim at a Com Games or an Olympics in the future. Just picking up on something you mentioned there and it'll lead into my next question. How do you go when you get sort of those text messages or tweets? I'm not on Twitter. It scares me. I'm not interested, but I know some people are. Uh, Maybe Instagram, things like that with people sort of giving you positive feedback. Sometimes if you don't have such a great swim, you get negative feedback. For me, I just say turn the phone off, but a younger generation, it find it a little bit harder. How do you find all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, trying to stay off your phone as much as possible. 
Um, you know, I think I sort of came up with a plan for Olympics this year where um, I was almost going to pass all my social medias off to, to someone else um, and just sort of keep it bare minimum, um, you know, family, friends and things like that, maybe even get a new sim just to sort of distance yourself because yeah. you're right, whilst it's really fantastic when you're swimming these positive swims and, and getting these positive messages, it only takes one or two sort of negative um, comments or um, even a, a comment as a young kid, I had a comment where someone said, I can't wait to watch you win gold tonight. Um, and for me, whilst the comment was so, um, it meant, um, you know, it was meant in the best intentions, it, it actually made me more nervous because they were saying that, you know, they're, they're coming out to watch me swim. Um, and I just thought, what happens if I don't win gold? You know, have I disappointed them? So, you know, even the best comments can be sort of, um, uh, a distraction and certainly put more pressure on you. So my best advice is, yeah, absolutely stay as far away as possible as you can from stuff like that. Um, but, you know, for me, um, during the Com Games, you know, there was some really special moments where I was able to, um, you know, do some some pretty special things and, and see some really close friends that I haven't for a while and, and sort of celebrate as much as I can. And um, I think... Had I've gotten a few negative comments, I, I probably would have, you know, put the phone away and, and just sort of distanced myself um, as much as possible. Those people say negative comments. I don't understand. They're sitting on the lounge with a packet of chips. Yeah. They, they couldn't just swim a, a 50 metres under 40 seconds, but they want to yeah. tell people how well they've done. I don't understand it. And secondly, just to your point, it was interesting you were saying it wasn't a negative comment. It was a positive one of, you know, looking forward to seeing you win gold. In talking to Susie O'Neill, I know she was saying leading into the Sydney Olympics, that was something that weighed on her heavily coming into the 200 fly was you know, obviously she was undefeated. So everyone was expecting so much. And so many people in the lead up were going, Susie, we can't wait to see you win. And she's just like, oh, I just hope I don't let them down. And it starts to weigh on you. Yeah, absolutely. Every, every single comment like that is almost another sort of weight on your back. Um, you know, I, I've had a couple. The second one that sort of sticks in my brain was um, uh, as a young kid, um, never broken a Australian record, open a Australian record a coach sort of made a comment to me, um, similar sort of thing, um, you know, with, with, with that much speed and endurance that you've got, um, you should definitely break this. Uh, I think it was a 400 medley record, um, you know, and, and it, it sort of, again, weighed on my shoulders. And I thought I respected this coach so much and just thought if I don't, if I don't break it, you know, I've disappointed them. I've let them down, um, which as an athlete um, and me personally is something that I never want to do to my coaches. So for me, it was just a, another, sort of weight on the shoulders. But as I've gotten older, you sort of, you try and just um, ignore them. You try and sort of uh, leave them in the past and just sort of take, yep, they're just wishing me good luck. Mm. Um, and whatever happens, happens. You know, it's not going to change um, the, the training that I have done, um, but it can affect, you know, the, the next hour or, or sort of days leading up to the racing. So you try and not let it affect, you know, the controllables. Absolutely. I think it's just a good point to bring up for anyone listening out there. Cause I know myself as a coach, I've made those mistakes and quite often I, we, you know, we're trying to educate the parents on things that they might be saying in the car on the way to the pool that is all well intentioned, same as us as coaches. And I'm sure the people that were telling you these things had the, the best intentions, but at the same time, you're not really understanding what's, what sort of pressure you're putting on. Second to the point of, you know, the question I wanted to ask, no doubt for the best part of 10 years, mate, you have been one of Australian swimming's superstars, even to the point where, you know, you started to make headlines 
in magazines for stuff going on outside of the pool, which is no one's business really and must be incredibly frustrating for you. For all the young athletes out there coming through today, and as I said, some of which are, are in your squad with Molly O'Callaghan and all these younger ones coming through, they're going to face their own challenges with media coverage, made-up stories, things like that. What advice do you have for those guys for blocking out that sort of noise? It's easy to switch off your phone for someone saying, oh, you had a shit swim. It's a little bit different when there's you know stories being posted in papers and things about things that they have really no idea about what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was that was really hard. It's probably probably one of the hardest things that I've sort of had to go through my career. And and I remember talking to my mum and dad and, and coaches, and and I just said, I just want to swim. Um, you know, I just grew up wanting to swim. I don't want any of this other attention. I don't want to be recognised. I don't want to be. Um, I just want to swim. Just let me swim. Um, yeah. And that was the biggest thing that I struggled with was. Um, you know, I guess having some success in the water is, has sort of led on to these, you know, other things where um, people do want to sort of make stories and, and write articles and, and, you know, some are positive, some are, some are not so positive. Um, and I think it comes with the territory. And, and that was something I just had to accept was, you know, people are going to sort of judge and, and make comments, positive or negative, um, no matter what. It's just, you know, I guess we've often said it, you know, bad news sells papers and, and stories sell papers like that. So they kind of want to create these these stories and, and things. But as an athlete, um, you know, I'm pretty private in a lot of my life now. And, and since, um, you know, I've become very more private, um, similar probably why I sort of put off doing this interview a little bit because I, I just basically want to swim. Um, yeah. It's something that I love. It's where I feel most free in the water. Um, and I, like I said, you know, I, I just want to swim. I don't want any of the other circus that goes with it. So yeah, it was really difficult, but again, I think, you know, if I was talking to the next generation of how to deal with things like that, it comes back to, um, you've got such a close develop a really close, uh, knit sort of friendship family circle. Um, you know, and it might only be, you know, five, six, seven, eight, maybe 10 people if you're really lucky. Um, and if you can rely on them, um, you know, you, you can just trust them um, 100%. You can talk to them about whatever you want and they don't care at the end of the day what's going on. They don't care um, anything, any, you know, any of that other circus that's going on. They just mm -hmm. care about you. You know, they're, they're your true friends. Um, and I think, you know, really rely on them. They'll get you through a lot, um, you know, and I'm sort of incredibly thankful that I've had supportive parents. I've had some really close friends. I've had some really good teammates. Um, you know, a great coach and, and the amount of times I sort of have, uh, you know, shed a tear or two in, in their um, company, um, they've certainly helped me get through some really difficult times as well. Absolutely, mate. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, for everyone out there that does write all of those things, I don't understand what's wrong with you people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I always try my very best. And uh, we talked about this off air, you know, in terms of speaking about difficulties in, in your guys' careers and what's coming through in trying to be as respectful as possible, because it's, it's none of our business, as I said, and I, I don't understand the, the need for people to want to know people's private lives. I just think get your own private life and make it a little bit more exciting. Um, now I can't talk to you without yeah. speaking about uh, yours and the podcast, amazing sponsor in arena, very best in the business mate. Now, how long have you been hooked up with them and what's your favorite swimsuit to wear? Um, yeah, this will be uh, my ninth year. So 
It's been fantastic. I, I've done um, two four-year periods with Arena and we were talking about it um, just before we sort of went live that um, Arena was fantastic last year. You know, there was a lot going on with COVID. Um, it was a difficult time for, I think, athletes all over the world. But Arena were absolutely, you know, incredibly supportive where they even extended my contract for an, for an additional 12 months. Um, I was meant to expire um, after the Olympics last year and, and then World Short Course in December 2020. But they said, look, given everything that's going on, we're more than happy to continue your contract on through to 2021, which would cover, you know, the Olympics and then hopefully World Short Course. Um, and, you know, I'd be fantastic and, and absolutely honoured to sign again, mm. probably a three-year, taking us up to 2024 Olympics with them. Um, they're fantastic, you know, even just emailing them. Um, they've got some really great gear. Um, we get so much shipments of, of product. It's crazy. My, uh, my uh, parents... Um, you know, garage is, has got a whole wall dedicated just to swimming gear, basically. And um, anyone in my squad that ever needs anything, um, they always sort of message me and say, hey, if you've got a snorkel, have you got some fins? Um, and we just, I just give it away because it's, yeah. it's fantastic gear, it lasts forever. And, um, you know, they're super supportive of, of, I guess, getting the best out of their athletes. So, um, yeah, I couldn't speak any higher, higher of them. What about your race suits? What's your favorite? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so I'm actually trialing um, the two at the moment, which is you've put me on the spot here and I'm, I'm not sure their name. Um, the, <laughs> I always do this because I've got no um, idea in terms of what's going on. I, don't, I can't even bloody fit into my board shorts, let alone bracelets. Yeah, the, uh, they always update it. It's, it's a Carbon Flex Ultra, I think, um, which is, you know, the, the sort of, um, and then the second one, which has got the, the sort of two layers. So that was one of the biggest things was I, I actually experimented through last year with both of the suits. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always worn the Carbon Ultra um, and sort of then was experimenting with the Carbon Flex for a little bit. So um, I don't know what I'm going to wear probably um, in Tokyo yet. Um, I'm still doing some final testing on a few of the suits. Um, and I love both of them, to be honest. One's a little bit more... Um, got a little bit more heavier compression, which is quite heavy in the legs, which I don't mind. And, and it certainly suits for the 100 back. Whereas the other one um, has a little bit more range and, and, and things like that. It's, it's better for sort of the 200 um, and potentially any sort of breaststroke or, or medley. Um, so I'll, I'll definitely probably uh, be packing both in my bag for, for Tokyo next year. It's interesting you say that and just sort of touching on that point and what race suits sort of suits what event because to the to the normal guy like me sitting on the lounge watching a race suit's a race suit right what's the difference well you chuck it on you go fast but obviously there's no doubt sprinters for certainly the 50 and the 100 you know have a different kind of a race suit to as you said having a bit more range when it comes to the 200 even the medley yeah absolutely and i think um, you know, I often describe it to, to friends or, or sort of the non-swimmer that um, it's almost like getting a new pair of shoes um, and just assuming that every single shoe is the same and, and you're going for a run. Um, you know, it's sort of each shoe, I guess, has a different fit to the foot and, and things like that. And it's exactly the same with a race suit. Um, you know, people's um, leg lengths are, are slightly different. Their hips are, sort of, you know, slightly different dimensions to maybe their thighs and, and things like that. So, you really want to find, I guess, a race suit that suits your body type um, as best as possible to your preference as well. Um, and then again, you know, particularly to your event. So like you mentioned, sprinters probably typically 
um, have a lot heavier compression than I guess, you know, your distance, um, 800, 1500 sort of freestylers. Mm. Um, but I think one of the best things about arena is they've got almost a suit for, for they do have a suit for every event, basically, um, you know, all the way up to sort of open water, yeah. um, full body suits as well. And, um, you know, the carbon, carbon air, which is a, uh, probably the lightest compression suit for those that don't like, you know, a, a heavy compression. All right, mate, let's get away from swimming for a second. What do you get up to when you're not going up and down the black line? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, I study, um, so I don't have a lot of free time. What are you Last studying? year, I, one of the biggest, uh, I'm studying economics. It's um, way so out. I'm not going to ask questions about weeks. economics because I've got no idea about numbers, so I'll leave you to it. <laughs> don't worry sometimes during lectures i have no idea what they're talking about either <laughs> um one of the biggest blessings last year was i actually enrolled in full-time studies for the first time ever in my career so i was able to punch out um eight subjects um which is really exciting and, and so that means i've only got a handful left um so i do a little bit of for me once i finish swimming i want to go into um finance into property development um, obviously that's where the economics comes in. Yep. Um, so I sort of been able to dabble in a little bit of those areas, um, sort of outside of the swimming. Um, I've been fortunate enough to sort of make some really strong connections and a couple of companies in Brisbane, um, have offered me some, some exciting, uh, opportunities once swimming's over. So I've actually enjoyed just sitting with, um, some of the directors of the companies and, and sort of pick their brain. And, um, it's, it's quite funny. Um, I took my dad to meet some of them and we had a cup of coffee and we actually just spoke about um, property stuff. And my dad was just sitting there just thinking, you guys are a bunch of nerds talking about, <laughs> um, you know, commercial properties and, and all sorts of um, boring stuff. So, but I loved it. So, and they loved it. So it was a lot of fun. Just on that, what, what's kind of an athlete are you in terms of, you know, the outside, no uh, outside noise, sorry, talking to Ariane, I know she was saying she really needs to, you know, be very focused on her goals and what she needs to do. And she's not really that interested in terms of, you know, doing outside stuff. It's, you know, very laser focused. Other athletes I speak to, they need that outside interest to sort of distract them. They focus in when they need to, but then they let it go when they don't. What sort of an athlete are you in terms of that? How interested or how in are you with everything else when you need to be laser focused on swimming as well? Yeah, great question. Um, and I don't think I can sort of um, put myself into one or the other. I think um, it, it certainly changes. I think um, I very much um, am all about balance in life. Um, I think it's really important to have a bit of a life outside of swimming, whether it be friends um, you know, uh, a uni, um, you know, talking about or thinking about at least a career post swimming, I think is really important. Um, and I actually love that. I have a bunch of friends that I hang out with quite regularly and we don't talk swimming at all. Yeah. You know, they obviously know that I swim and, and, and what I do and things like that, but they, they follow it, but they're not, um, you know, diehard swimming fans where we just talk swimming 24 seven. Um, you know, I certainly have my friends, that are diehard fans. I'm a bit of a student of the sport myself, um, you know, and, and we'll talk swimming 24 seven with them. But mm. I think you need time away from, from the sport. Um, and I think that sort of um, has been a result um, has allowed me to have longevity um, in my career as well. So I think sort of give you a really poor answer there, but um, I sort of sit in between the two and I definitely 
um, probably shift more into the laser focused um, on camps like this. Yep. Um, you know, I sort of locked out all sort of social activities um, and we've just been absolutely training for three weeks and, and I will probably continue to do that and train that way um, right up to, to the Olympics. Um, and then sort of once that's done, um, you know, it'll probably relax a lot more. Um, I enjoy going to the beach, um, you know, eating. I'm a big foodie. Mm. Um, Dean thinks I eat far too much, but. <laughs> do you go to Eat Street Markets much? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I do. I think they're, they're fantastic. Um, I sort of do enjoy exploring restaurants more, mm-hmm. um, more than I guess sort of walking around and, and markety yeah. kind of foods. But, um, you know, there's some really great restaurants in Brisbane. Australia has some fantastic food scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sort of love exploring that with um, some of my friends and family. They're, they're foodies as well. A business opportunity there. If you're interested in food and talk to Eamon Sullivan, I'm sure he can give you some tips about opening restaurants. And um, yeah. it's interesting though we talked about that and there's no um, right or wrong answer in terms of where your focus lies. As I said, you know, Ariane saying how laser focused she is. There's nothing wrong with a, a world championship gold medal. So it obviously it works for her. It's just what works best for you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I've learned in this, this sport, that um, everyone's going to go about how they conduct themselves differently. Um, and it's about just finding the best, uh, you know, method and the best, best sort of training, whether it's training or your mindset or how you sort of conduct yourself just for you. Um, you know, as soon as you start comparing to other people, it, it's, it's a dangerous game. It's, you're not going to win that. Um, you just want to, do whatever works for you, whatever makes you happy. Um, and you'll certainly, you know, I've always said a, a fast swimmer is a happy swimmer. Absolutely. Now, mate, as you know, because you listen to the show, I like to finish with some less serious questions, but I changed it up a little bit for season four, but kept it a little bit similar too, just in case people do enjoy this part of the, of the podcast. So I'll throw it out there and whatever first comes to your head, you throw it back. So what's your favorite music to listen to? Um, oh, that's really difficult. Um, I sort of have a very vast, um, music range. Um, I enjoy some sort of dance music, sort of some, some boppy sort of EDM, things like that. Um, I do enjoy some, um, indie sort of folk music as well. Okay. Um, so I've got a pretty broad range. <laughs> well, it's good anyway. It just depends what mood you're in, doesn't it? I always think, you know, people say that to me. I think I, I can listen to anything. I can listen to rap. I can listen to rock. I can listen to, I can listen. Well, I can't listen to Taylor Swift. Sorry, Taylor Swift fans. I just get, I just turn the radio off. I hear yeah, it. Yeah. What yeah, about? I do agree. And I think I'm the same, you know, there's old school sort of classics. Um, my parents are massive Fleetwood Nicks, uh, Fleetwood Mac, um, Stevie Nicks fans. Stevie Nicks, so yeah. I sort of grew up listening to that and um, I can put anything on, to be honest. How do you go when Dean puts his music on? Uh, not great. Um, <laughs> he's sort of, he's a, he, uh, he has one particular band named Tool mm-hmm. um, that he's listened to basically on repeat since that latest album has come out. So... The amount of times that I've heard the song Numa, um, it gives me nightmares and, and I've certainly heard it enough for one life lifetime, but he does it to sort of push our buttons and, uh, you know, fire us up when we need. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I'd be happy never listening to Numa again. <laughs> what about favourite movies? Have you got any that you, you like, comedies, action, whatever? Yeah, we've, 
we've actually been watching a few thrillers here um, uh, on camp, which has been somewhat fun, somewhat scary. So we'll often watch one in this room and then some of the boys next door will watch one as well and we'll compare. So we've watched a couple of thrillers lately, but for me, um, I do enjoy a thriller. So we watched Gone Girl um, a couple of weeks ago, which was really good. Yeah. Um, one of my favourites is Shawshank Redemption. Um, you know, I'm a, I do enjoy a, a good movie as well. So, What about uh, any tattoos, mate? This is the new one that's come to season four, just to see if there's – just get insights. Do you have any tattoos? I have one. Um, it's the Olympic ring. So it's on my, my left hip. Yeah. Um, and currently there's only four rings. My, my yellow's um, faded, so <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll probably have to get that touched up um, maybe after Tokyo or, or something like that, yeah. What about some of the favourite countries you've visited? Now, don't, I don't want the easy answer because obviously as Australians, we love Australia. I understand that this is the best country in the world. I agree, and this is why I live here. Where have you been that you really enjoyed and you thought, you know what, I could go back there many, many times? Yeah, I, I agree. I think Australia is the best place in the world. Um, but for me, I love Japan. Um, Tokyo, I think the people are, are so friendly, so polite, so organised. I think, um, you know, it's a city where you can find anything you like, you know, whether it's good food, music, culture, history. Um, you know, it, it's a massive um, eye-opener and it's such a fantastic, lively, um, you know, country, diverse country. Um, I do enjoy... Um, Germany, uh, mm-hmm. Berlin as well. I think, um, you know, seeing the history there is, is pretty impressive. What about favourite moment of your career so far? I say so far because obviously you mentioned 2024, so no doubt many years to come still. But so far, what's your favourite? What stands out? Um, yeah, hard, that's a hard one. Um, obviously, 2015 was a massive year. But for me, um, Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast is, is probably most special, um, you know, going sort of five from five, um, sharing a, a relay victory with the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the rest of the Dolphins absolutely killed it that week. Um, everyone was just in great spirits, the energy, the excitement, um, you know, it was, it was, it's pretty hard to beat. About biggest influence on you, this could be personal within your career so far. Who has the biggest influence on you? Yeah, um, it's, it's a bit of an easy answer, but I'd have to probably say my parents um, and, and particularly probably mum's mum's dad, so my grandpa. Um, you know, he told me a lot as a kid growing up from a, from a young boy. Um, they were the biggest fans um, of any swimming race that I'd, I'd swim in. Dad, you know, come and, and my grandpa would video record it. Um, we'd have them all on DVD, you know, the next weekend and I could sit back and watch them. And mum's um, got a whole stack of, you know, all of my races, all of my age nationals, all of my open nationals, um, you know, he was the biggest fan and certainly a very humbling guy, um, you know, very successful, hardworking. Um, and I think, you know, he taught me that from a young age that um, you can get pretty far in life, you know, the harder you work. It's funny, uh, the harder you work, the luckier you get. That's a favourite quote uh, leading into yeah. my next question, which is what's your favourite quote? Do you have any that you kind of live by or resonate with you? No, not that I, I live by. Um, you know, I, I enjoy, I definitely enjoy reading and, and uh, you know, I've, I sort of spend my time away from the pool reading as well. But one of the, the best quotes that I, I sort of read a little while ago was, um, it's not the mountain that breaks the climber's back, it's the pebble in his shoe. 
Um, and I think that's a really powerful sort of statement that it's it's not you know the task at hand that sort of mm. is what disappoints you. It's it's the small um, you know one percenters, and I think that says a lot, particularly swimming at a high um, international level. Yeah, you know it's it's the one percenters that separate you from the rest of your competitors. And just before I um, wrap up, mate, just going back to saying your grandpa, shout out to all the grandparents out there because. I absolutely agree with you. I remember every time my nan would come to watch me swim and I was nowhere near what level of you were at, but everything was great. Oh, bro, how good were you, Rob? How good was that? So nan, I went three seconds over my PB. She said, oh, no, you killed it. You did such a good job. So shout out to all the grandparents out there. Keep up the good work. And I think more people could learn from that positive reinforcement and just sort of being so supportive because they do a great job, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think... You know, my, my mum's very much the same. Um, I could swim a swim that I'm really disappointed in, well off my PB, but she wouldn't care. Yeah. She said, oh, you look fantastic. And I say to mum, it's not about how you look. It's about, you know, the results and things like that. But, yeah. you know, you're right. It, parents like that, um, you can almost do no wrong in their eyes. I think they just love that you're getting out there, you know, trying your hardest, doing the best that you can. And, um, you know, whether you're disappointed or not, um, you know, your parents are always going to be, you know, they're a bit biased, but they're always going to say they're your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> well, mate, I think it's a, a great chance to wrap it up there. Thank you very much for coming on the show. As you said, you know, we've tried to hook this up for a little bit, but we managed to make it happen. I know you're away on your camp, so uh, you would have been tired, but you've given up your time. So I definitely appreciate you being a pro mate and coming on. Um, good luck with everything. And hopefully you get a, a, maybe a bit of a recovery week next week after you, you've been smashing yourself for three weeks, but mate, good luck with everything leading up to trials. Stay safe, stay healthy. And thank you very much for coming on off the block swimming podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's, it's been a lot of fun and um, yeah, exciting year. I'm very much looking forward to uh, getting some racing underway and uh, looking forward to the games uh, in, in Tokyo. Absolutely, mate. Looking forward to seeing you smash it. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you soon. Talk soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Thanks very much again to Mitch for coming on the show this week to help us kick off Season 4 in 2021. And the superstars just keep on coming with next week my special guest, none other than Olympic gold medalist, Penny Alexiak. So make sure you tune in again to make sure you hear another fantastic interview with one of the world's best swimmers. Until next week, though, guys, have a great weekend, and it's bye for now. Just